0: On today's episode of Mile Higher, I'm honestly surprised that this hasn't been solved yet with the evidence that's available.
1: This person could potentially be out there reoffending.
0: We're going to be talking about the unsolved murder of Rachel Morin.
1: Sheriff Gaylor definitely got some backlash on throwing out the term serial killer.
0: It would make sense that if he committed this crime and knows that he is being investigated, that he would want to leave that area, right? And go as far away as possible.
1: But they were very adamant about saying that Michael did not find it. Is Michael telling the truth here?
0: However, it's very possible he actually did have a feeling to check these tunnels.
1: I mean, it kind of seems like common sense, right? Seems like pretty logical that you'd want to look It'd be a concealed area to hide a body.
0: The DNA matches this assault that happened in Los Angeles, yet Rachel was murdered in Maryland. So what is going on here?
1: Hey, what's up, everybody?
0: And welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 284. I am your host, Kendall.
1: And I'm your host, Josh.
0: We are joined by our lovely producer, Janelle. Hello. How's it going? It's going good. So, today we are going to be talking about a case that desperately needs as much coverage as possible because it is very close, hopefully, to being solved, or at least potentially could. I'm honestly surprised that this hasn't been solved yet with the evidence that's available. Um, And I just, I hope it's a matter of time until it is. More people need to know about it because it's one of those where it takes just one person to come forward with information or to recognize a suspect that could change everything. We're gonna be talking about the unsolved murder of Rachel Morin.
1: This particular case, really sent shockwaves through the community where Rachel Morin is from in Maryland. And the big thing with this case is that there was a ton of media attention right after her murder happened. There was a huge break in the case. Police were able to link DNA from the crime scene to an unknown suspect, a male, which we'll be talking about, but they have not been able to identify who that person is. And that person is still at large to this day and the media coverage as the year kind of winded down kind of has died off a little bit um, there's tons of people still on social media talking about it but the authorities haven't released any new updates in the case uh, for a little while now and they're still urgently seeking help in identifying who this individual is and this person uh, could potentially be out there reoffending. hopefully not hopefully they are you know just trying to evade capture at this point but police really need to figure out who this person is mm-hmm. in order to go and arrest them for this heinous heinous murder that he committed in this case and time is of the essence
0: yeah absolutely it's also a case where there has been a lot of interest on social media uh which can be great you know to get the exposure i mean more people talking about a case it's always a good thing but there's been a lot of rumors and speculation and misinformation out there so we did our best to sort through that as much as possible and bring you the facts in the most clear way we could possibly yeah, do to the under best the of our ability yeah
1: i mean this one was a really tough one to research because a lot of the information surrounding the investigation the timeline has been kept very close to the chest when it comes to the authorities they haven't really re- they haven't released really really all that much information other than this particular suspect that they're looking for and kind of Mm -hmm. some of the main kind of main things surrounding uh her her murder and the location that it occurred and all of that but there is so much uh, out there that was said at the beginning especially and now has been omitted from different news outlets and there's been a lot of things, like you said, said on social media that turned out not to be true. Mm-hmm. So this was a very difficult one to to research, but a very important one. So we're going to do our very best to bring you the facts of the case and
0: and the most complete coverage as far as what we know. Yeah, as of right now, exactly. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into this case and. I want to start out by talking about who Rachel Morin was. Rachel Morin was born on May 20th, 1986 in Dover, New Hampshire to her parents, Patty and Ronald Morin. And Ronald goes by Zach for the most part. Rachel was one of six children and held a very tight bond with her siblings. Her siblings' names are Rebecca, Nathan, Michael, John, and Josiah. And although she was born in New Hampshire, she did spend most of her life in Bel Air, Maryland. And unlike the famous neighborhood in Los Angeles, Bel Air, Maryland, Bel Air is a small, close-knit community that spans only three square miles and is home to less than 11,000 people. So pretty small community. Now, Rachel seemed to really enjoy Bel Air, particularly because the area is known as one of Maryland's 24 designated arts and entertainment districts now rachel was a beautiful beautiful woman she had these piercing blue eyes and even did some modeling which is i mean just totally makes sense she's stunning and at one point she did appear on the cover of harford community college's student newsletter which is called owl magazine Rachel's brother, John, worked as a professional photographer, and even though he worked in New Zealand and lived there, he would take any opportunity he could to shoot stunning photos of his sister. And in addition to modeling, Rachel was also interested in fitness. She was known to run 5K marathons, lift weights, go on long walks through the streets and trails of her town, and she loved to travel. In 2018, she went out to New Zealand to visit her brother and shared photos of her trip online Her travels also included places around the U.S., including Miami, Las Vegas, New England. And overall, Rachel was just a person who loved life, loved people, and all of that beauty inside her really reflected outwardly as well. When Rachel was a teenager, she began dating a man named Matthew McMahon, and the two of them seemed to be a perfect match and actually welcomed a daughter together, Faye, when Rachel was 19 years old. And things did seem to be going well for the couple. However, their relationship just couldn't survive the difficult realities of being such young parents, and eventually they did go their separate ways. Rachel continued dating, and by the time she was in her 30s, she had five beautiful children with beautiful names. I love the names that she picked out. Faye, Violet, Octavia, Declan, and Lila. And by the time that all this took place, Rachel's children ranged in age from 8 to 18, And as we mentioned, Faye, the oldest, is Matthew McMahon's daughter. The other four children were from two other fathers. Now, Rachel definitely felt some judgment from others because these relationships hadn't lasted. But despite this, Rachel's love for her children never diminished. And if there is one thing that anyone could say about Rachel and said about her a lot, it was that she was such a devoted and loving mother, After her last child was born, Rachel seemed to take a step back from the idea of dating someone else seriously, but eventually she had a change of heart and decided to try and get back into the dating world. So she downloaded multiple dating apps and often discussed her experiences, you know, in the dating world with friends, which can come with many wild experiences. And at first it didn't seem like Rachel had much luck, but that is until she met a man named Richard John Tobin.
1: Richard and Rachel had a lot in common, even though Richard was 10 years younger than her. They did have a lot of the same interests, including fitness, being with family, and really just enjoying life overall. They announced their relationship publicly on Facebook on August 1st, 2023, when Richard made that update to his page. And there was also another post that I came across, and this post is from February 2023. And it's just a really foreboding quote that I thought should include so it says risk can be dangerous but routine can be deadly comfort has killed more dreams than daring ever did and that to me that just like sends chills down my spine considering yeah. what's about to happen mm-hmm. um, months later but during this time things seem to be going well for Rachel in multiple aspects of her life She was running her own cleaning business called East Coast Cleaners which I believe she started in 2019 she now had this newfound romance and she had wonderful children Everyone seemed to be happy, but despite all of this, there are some people who are concerned about Richard's somewhat unstable past. So who is Richard Tobin? While there isn't a ton of public information on Richard Tobin's early life, we know he was born in October of 1995, making him 27 years old when he began dating Rachel. It appears that when he was in his early 20s, he began having run-ins with the law and fell heavily into drug use. By the age of 25, he had a lengthy criminal history relating to drugs, domestic violence, and assault. For example, back in 2020, Richard was actually arrested for violating a protection order and went on to be in and out of court all the way up to 2021 when he was charged with possession of drugs and attempting to operate a vehicle while impaired by a dangerous substance. He has also faced charges of being a fugitive from justice, resisting arrest, and disorderly intoxication, according to Maryland Judiciary Case search records. He received a suspended sentence and probation in September of 2023. So this was during the same time that he was beginning his relationship with Rachel, who, if you didn't get from the age difference, Rachel is 37 years old at the time. Despite this, it seemed like he had put his criminal past behind him. He had found someone he wanted to be with, and he was working as an apprentice electrician in Bel Air. He also claimed he had been clean for over a year, but no matter his past, it seemed Rachel was Deeply infatuated with this handsome young man, but sadly her happy life was about to come to a shocking and tragic end. That leads us to the day that Rachel goes missing. There was nothing unusual about August fifth, twenty twenty-three, at two p.m. Rachel made her way to her favorite tanning salon, Glow. Once there, she relaxed in a tanning bed before allegedly going to spend some time with Richard. According to Richard, the two hung out and then he ended up dropping Rachel off at home around five p.m. so that he could go to the gym. And the the timeline is very fuzzy because there's a lot of conflicting reports out there but from what we were gathering a lot of these reports on what he was doing and where rachel was during that day have not been confirmed um because there's some reports that say rachel actually went to the gym with richard that day and then he dropped her off but uh multiple news outlets try to reach out to the gym that they went to and they never heard back from them so we don't know for sure but it seems like he dropped her off at home and then around 6 pm rachel left for an evening walk on the monpa heritage trail in bel air so if you're not familiar with the monpa trail this is an iconic landmark in bel air it exists as a historical reminder of the maryland and pennsylvania railroad that ran through the town up until 1958. this railroad lovingly referred to as the monpa was a short line track that ran from york pennsylvania to baltimore maryland the rail line was used for passenger and freight trains and cut through densely wooded areas making travel between the two locations far faster than the traditional methods of the mid-20th century. The railroad was a popular one amongst railway enthusiasts, and many were devastated when it was finally disassembled. To honor the railway, the state of Maryland constructed the Ma and Paw Heritage Trail, which allows locals to walk the same path the trains used to travel. This trail is approximately 6.25 miles long, but the section of the trail in Bel Air is only 3.3 miles and runs under a bypass before linking to the next section of the trail according to alltrails.com if you ever use that app or website before very helpful if you're looking to go on hikes mm-hmm. or uh, off-roading in a four before vehicle because yeah, a lot gives, of good things yeah we've, we've used it before uh, for off-roading but this trail uh, is rated as moderately challenging and takes around two hours and 25 minutes to complete
0: so when rachel went out for her evening walk on the trail she certainly wasn't alone there were tons of other people out there enjoying the trail as well it is a beautiful scenic trail great for exercising great for walking your dog and just enjoying the august weather but as it became later in the evening rachel still hadn't come home and richard didn't think too much of it at first because this trail was super long I mean, a full trip up and down the Ma and Pa Trail could easily take a couple of hours, especially if you were to stop and talk to people you know or stop and enjoy the scenery, take in the sights. You know, it could take even longer. So Richard did try to call and text Rachel multiple times, and once hours had passed with no word from her, Richard started to become deeply worried. And at 11.23 p.m., and he still hadn't heard from her, decided to go ahead and call the police and report her missing. Now, during this time, some of Rachel's family was actually in Kentucky for a funeral, and this is incredibly sad, but one of Rachel's nieces had tragically passed away from SIDS at age four. Uh, Just can't even imagine that. And when Rachel's mom got the call that her daughter was missing, it obviously added to the heartbreak that she's already experiencing at this time in her life. So after Richard called the police, he decided to go out and try to look for her himself. And although it's not clear if this technically happened on the evening of August 5th or in the morning on August 6th, Richard ended up finding Rachel's car at the William Street entry point for the Ma and Pa Trail, and he immediately called police to let them know what he had found. Obviously, the police showed up and they quickly searched the car for any signs that might include you know what happened to Rachel, but found nothing out of the ordinary at first.
1: It sounds like her vehicle was at that entry point, parked behind a brewery that I believe is located nearby. Uh, that was the lot that she was in, and if you think about eleven twenty-three is when he called. He goes out, so it was like early, early, early morning, yeah, of Sunday when you know he's notifying the police that the vehicle was found.
0: Yeah, that's what would make most sense. I
1: think that makes, makes mm-hmm. the most sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Still, there are some foggy details of this due to so much information being kept with, from the without, public. Yeah. yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my favorite services out there, and that is Stitch Fix. Now, I have been using Stitch Fix for years, paying for my subscription on my own, and I am so, so satisfied with it. I feel like I will never stop using Stitch Fix. And as someone who absolutely hates shopping in person like I cannot tell you the level of hate I have for it I hate dressing rooms I hate the crowds I I don't know I just don't have a great sense of fashion so it's hard for me to like put outfits together and I constantly have this feeling of I have nothing to wear which I think everyone can relate to that you just get sick of your clothing options and you know now in the new year it's a perfect time to refresh your wardrobe to reflect your personal style and what stage of life you're in. Stitch Fix is the best way to shop new styles and brands. You can think of them as your style partner. Your stylist will learn about your tastes and collaborate with you on looks you love without breaking the bank. And it's so easy, you simply share your preferences, sizes, and budget, and Stitch Fix sends you five items in a fix right to your door. And with your choices in mind and sizes extra small to 3XL, they'll find your perfect fit. The best part is you get a try on everything at home and keep what you like and send back the rest. And it's so easy to send things back. They have over a thousand brands and styles. So no matter what season of life you're in, Stitch Fix has you covered. And I have to say, if you are currently pregnant, it's a great option for maternity pieces when I was pregnant, I wore my Stitch Fix maternity options all the time. It was like my go-to and made it so much easier for me because maternity clothing can be really difficult. And it's cool because you can simply order a refresh as needed or set it and forget it with regular fixes. You're in complete control of your experience. I personally have it set to send me a new box every three weeks. Thanks to Stitch Fix, they just get me and they'll get you too. Try today at stitchfix.com slash mile and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash mile stitchfix.com slash mile So still, the discovery of the vehicle did help solidify that Rachel truly was missing. After all, there was no logical reason for her to be on the trail overnight. So with concerns rising, Harford County Sheriff Jeffrey Gaylor led the charge of investigating what happened to Rachel Morin. And Sunday morning, authorities reached out to the public and notified them that they were seeking help locating Rachel. The Harford County Sheriff's Office said that she was last seen around 6 p.m. the day before, leaving to walk the Ma and pa Trail. Rachel was described as 5'2", 107 pounds, with blonde hair and blue eyes. She had been wearing a blue or black tank top, a black sports bra, black spandex shorts, and gray sneakers when she was last seen. And news of Rachel's disappearance spread around the town really quickly, and multiple locals of Bel Air decided to offer a helping hand in trying to locate this beloved member of their community. Then around 1 p.m. on Sunday, August 6th, a shocking discovery was made when police were called due to the discovery of a woman's body in a drainage tunnel near the overarching Maryland 24 bypass. Now, to be clear, there are very mixed reports about who really found this body. This has been a big point of contention in this case. Lots of misinformation and confusion here. A man named Michael Gabryeski told reporters that he was the one who found the body. However, this statement has been contradicted by the police who say that a woman found the body. But Michael claims that this woman that the police are referring to is actually his stepdaughter, Cecilia, but that he was also there as well. Michael claims to be a former National Park search and rescue officer, and he told reporters that he just knew they needed to check the tunnels where a body could be, quote, tucked away. And he said that he and his stepdaughter, Cecilia, searched for about an hour before discovering the body. According to Michael, the victim was found naked in a pool of blood. He also said that the woman's face had been severely beaten to the point where she was unrecognizable. Nearby the body, there was a large rock covered in blood and a long trail of blood as if the body had been dragged. And here's what Michael told reporters specifically.
2: He told my stepdaughter, I said, look, it's not going to be laying out in the oak. The Ma and pa Trail in Bel Air, uncharted territory. I said, she's going to be tucked away somewhere. But the former National Park search and rescue officer has extensive experience tracking down missing people. So basically, it's my passion to bring closure to that family by bringing her back and not having them wonder what happened. Following reports, 37-year-old Rachel Morin left for a walk and never returned. Gabrzeski and his stepdaughter taking off on a search rooted on instinct. I just kept seeing tunnels. In my mind. I don't know why, but I just kept seeing tunnels. Despite law enforcement swarming the area for almost a full day, Gaberzeski's stepdaughter locating the body in about an hour. A deadly discovery. Once we got down there and I started seeing them tunnels, I started getting goosebumps. Made in a tunnel drain not far from the trail's main entrance. I saw a terrible mess. Gaberzeski's visions meeting the reality of a gruesome scene. There's not going to be an open casket. I can guarantee you that. He says Morin's body found in a pool of blood, suffering severe head trauma, an injury he believes could be the result of a rock. My daughter said that there was a big rock down there that was all caked in blood.
0: Now, as you can hear in that clip, they are saying Michael Gabrizeski. Um, We've had a bit of confusion about how to exactly say his name. We're pretty sure it's Gabrizeski but we could be wrong and we apologize if that is the case.
1: Now, as we mentioned earlier, police have only said that a woman discovered her body. So there's no, there's been no confirmation from police on what that woman's name was, but we're operating under the assumption that that woman was in fact Cecilia, but they were very adamant about saying that Michael did not find it. They they've kind of, and and this is the thing for me is like, are they just did Michael is Michael telling the truth here? He could be, Or he's exaggerating, like maybe he was nearby and maybe he did see it, but police are like, no, he definitely did not see it. Could the police just be upset that they didn't find her and that these guys found her and it's just kind of a pride thing? I don't know. Police would later confirm, though, that the body in the tunnel had been an apparent victim of extreme violence. After police recovered the body, the public impatiently waited to hear if it was, in fact, the missing Rachel Morin. Unfortunately, a positive ID on the body couldn't be made without a forensic professional. So that evening, Sheriff Gaylor made the decision to inform the public that he did firmly believe, quote, that the body was that of Rachel Morin and that this was now officially a homicide investigation. But obviously, they need to wait for, you know, positive ID to come back from the forensic office. Sheriff Gaylor had been a staple in the Harford County community since he was first elected in 2014. And he has years of experience under his belt. And he really did make it his personal mission to find out who killed Rachel and bring that individual to justice. So let's go ahead and play just a little bit of this initial press conference that Sheriff Gaylor made.
3: Good evening, everyone. Uh, Thanks for coming up this evening. There's days I absolutely love being the sheriff of Harford County. This is not one of those days. Uh, We're here to um, follow up on what I think our entire community knows, sadly, uh, what is a homicide uh, along the Mompah Trail here just outside the town limits. Um, here in Bel Air, that uh, happened sometime early this morning or today. Um, But at approximately 11.23 last evening, our deputies responded to a report of a missing person. It was reported uh, by the individual's boyfriend um, that Rachel Morin, who's age 37, headed out from her home on Old Emerton Road around 6 p.m. to go to the Ma Trail. Once she had not returned, as and when ex- expected, the family was obviously concerned. Initial information from the boyfriend, again, the caller who reported her missing, indicated her car was at the lot at the trailhead here on William Street uh, behind, like where Independent Brewery is, the people that are familiar with Bel Air. Um, the car was there, but she was not. Uh, during the initial search, again, uh, deputies did locate her vehicle at the William Street entrance. The vehicle Uh, during the investigation was towed to our CID building up in Forest Hill, where it will be processed for any and all evidence. Uh, At this time, uh, at that time, uh, last evening, an extensive search of the trail and surrounding area followed. A notice the public was put out uh, by this office, by our Office of Media Communications. Um, That has had over 11,000 shares, and I'm going to touch on it a little here, but uh, always thankful to our citizens here in Hartford County who uh, assist us in solving so many crimes by sharing information as good as that's one of the good side of social media. The bad side is there's also been a lot of false or early information shared um, that we don't want to see. Uh, we don't see false news out there. We also don't want to see um, information getting out before family members are informed that it could jeopardize the case. So we always, uh, you know, along with thanking the public, ask the public be careful in what they share in their comments to make sure it's factual and based on information that we have put out here from the sheriff's office. Uh, while it was all of our hope, certainly mine and everyone standing up here with me and the men and women of our office and all of our citizens, that Rachel will be found safe at about 1 7 p.m. A citizen called 911 to report a female's body had been located off the trail. Uh, at that time it was obvious that this person was deceased.
1: On Monday, August 7, 2023, just a day after the discovery of the body, the medical examiner confirmed that the body was in fact Rachel Morin. A full autopsy was performed on Rachel, though details regarding her cause of death and whether she was a victim of a sexual assault have not been revealed. The police immediately began investigating Rachel's homicide, and this case really started to garner major attention online and on social media. Early in the case, there were many theories surrounding Rachel's murder. A prominent theory that was going around initially... Was that Michael, the one who claimed to have found her body, was possibly involved in her death. After all, it seemed like he had known exactly where to find Rachel's body and told reporters he just had, quote, had a feeling to check in the tunnels,
0: which. Which I do see how some people could think that's sketchy and in some cases definitely could be. However, it's very possible he actually did have a feeling to check these tunnels.
1: I mean, it kind of seems like common sense, right? Yeah. That if there's these drainage tunnels around this trail, like, seems like pretty logical that you'd want to look. It'd be a concealed area to hide a body.
0: Especially if he really did have experience with these types yeah. of searches and, you know, parks and rec and Right, past. or
1: even just the area. Maybe he'd just yeah. been in the area quite a bit. Yeah. In addition, Michael told reporters that the reason he was searching for Rachel is because his stepdaughter was one of her close friends. However, this detail is disputed by others who knew Rachel. Michael wasn't hesitant to share his theories about what happened to Rachel at one point he even mentioned that Rachel was probably murdered by someone who knows her due to the state that her body was found in and the level of violence that she sadly seemed to endure. As we've talked about in the past, it is common for murderers to try and insert themselves into the investigation of their victims murders, which is absolutely true. It does happen. Mm-hmm. The More fa- often than you would think. Yeah. And the fact that Michael seems so invested in this case and his enthusiasm to discuss the crime made him a prime suspect in the eyes of of those following her case. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Like he seems a little,
0: yeah, I I can see how people would see that,
1: but he could just be a passionate search and rescue worker and and really
0: have wanted to help.
1: Absolutely. But there was also the theory that possibly Rachel's new boyfriend, Richard was involved as spouses and partners are often early suspects in these types of cases, especially when someone is murdered. And Richard also had his sketchy past working against him. And it wasn't just that Richard had been arrested. It was the details surrounding his arrest that concerned people. His cases involving domestic violence, assault, and violating protection orders seemed like major red flags for anyone trying to solve Rachel's murder.
0: However, Richard has been consistently adamant about his innocence. In one post online, Richard reminded his followers that he had gotten clean and had turned his life around. He said, I love Rachel. I would never do anything to her. Let the family and I grieve. Yes, I have a past, but I also have 15 months clean and have changed as a person, please. And this seemed to be reflected in his court records as well, which proved that Richard's last run in with the law happened back in 2021. And at the end of his court proceedings, he was given a suspended sentence and a year of probation. And it does not appear that Richard has had any legal issues since. And so even though no one knew Richard to be anything but a loving boyfriend to Rachel, he was definitely still the victim of harassment online. After receiving dozens of angry comments accusing him of being involved, Richard made a final public comment stating that he loved Rachel and would never hurt her before setting his profile to private. Now, that would be extremely painful after already losing someone that you loved to then be harassed and accused of murdering them. I really can't imagine. So those following Rachel's story had... A lot of ideas of how to find Rachel's killer. Thousands of comments have flooded every news article on this case and social media posts recommending people for the police to investigate. And these suggested suspects, who are mostly Rachel's exes, were all considered by the investigators but ultimately cleared of any wrongdoing. And the sheriff's office even opened up a dedicated tip line for Rachel Morin's case. They made a post saying, If you could be of any assistance to the investigation of the Rachel Morin homicide, please email any photos, video, or contact information to Tips at harfordsheriff.org. Now, according to the sheriff, more than 300 local tips had come in within 10 days of her murder. And unfortunately, none of these tips actually led to any arrests or even breaks in Rachel's case. And the speculation around Rachel's death has become overwhelming. But police were just about to make a major break in the case because foreign DNA from the crime scene was matched to the FBI's CODIS system. And obviously this was huge. This happened on August 17th, 2023, only 12 days after Rachel was brutally murdered on the Mom and Pa Heritage Trail. And the Harford County Sheriff's Office held a press conference where he revealed some startling information and here's some of that press
4: conference dna evidence is is part of nearly every modern day investigation and in rachel's case dna evidence was collected by our forensic services unit that dna was analyzed by the maryland state police and it was ran through the national Codis system dna evidence is i mean this dna evidence has come back as a match tied to a home invasion and assault and an assault of a young girl in los angeles this past March. Unfortunately, that suspect has not been positively identified, but he did leave behind his DNA. Based on the DNA evidence, we consider the individual in the video we obtained from the Los Angeles Police Department and that we are about to show you on our TV screens to be the person that murdered Rachel Morin on August 5th. So we're now going to show the video. And just so everyone's aware, this video after this press conference, this video will be uh, posted on our social media.
0: Now, if you're listening, there's no audio with this video, but it is of a shirtless man with a what looks like a gold necklace on and sweatpants exiting this home on a uh, ring doorbell or some, some type of similar. video doorbell mm-hmm. system. yeah, mm-hmm. And walking out. Now, this is a crucial video. So, um, if you're listening, I would look it up and and take a look for yourself. Yeah, we'll have a link to it too. You know, what solves this case if someone recognizes this guy.
1: The thing about it, though, is there's no, you just get a side view of this individual before he turns around and walks Mm -hmm. off of the porch. So, there's never any front facing view. Unfortunately. I mean, you can see a
0: little bit of the side of his face, but yeah, it's not most ideal but hey it's something
4: based on our analysis of of this video and witness observations we believe the suspect to be approximately five foot nine 160 pounds and of hispanic descent if you have any information about this suspect we are asking you to please call our detectives at our tip line and the tip line number is 410-836-7788 and we've also established a dedicated tip email address And that email address is rmtips at harfordsheriff.org. Again, that's R-M, as in Rachel Morin, tips at harfordsheriff.org. We want to make it clear that we believe the suspect acted alone and he doesn't represent the entire Hispanic community of Harford County, who we are now partnering with to identify this suspect.
0: So let's take a look at this video once again, because like we just said, it's such a crucial part of this case and could crack this thing wide open.
1: As you can imagine, this video is also made made the rounds on social media and the Internet and has been hyper analyzed, slowed down, zoomed in. Mm-hmm. There is a view and I don't know if it's just this particular clip that the police are showing, but there is an arm that can be seen for like a millisecond in the doorway. And I think it's just the way that they had this zoomed in on the TV. But there's. The, there's the short clip out there as well, and we'll we'll clip that and maybe pull that up real quick, Janelle. Oh yeah, here we go. Okay, so this is a better view. See the arm closing the door? You couldn't see it in the uh, sheriff's stream there, but this is the raw surveillance video. Go back one more time, yeah. So look at the very right. You see the arm shut the door, and it yep. kind of slams yes. the door. Yep. So there's been a lot of speculation on whose arm that is, and just this whole incident is very weird in itself. Why is he coming out of the front door? We don't know how he entered. There's no video of him entering through the front door. It seems he broke in through a side window, side door, something like that. And the LAPD has been very quiet about this particular incident. Mm -hmm. I don't think they've released any sort of like details about what happened with this. And they're obviously still investigating it. But that arm, they were able to find out whose arm that is and speak to that individual. And this, this next part we're going to go through, there's conflicting reports about this incident as well Mm -hmm. as to was this young girl alone? Some uh, publications out there say that she was alone, but it seems like that may or may not be the case because they were able to locate this individual, but they haven't released like who this person is. They just said, we talked to the person whose arm is in the video and they had nothing to do with the assault that occurred at this address. But that's like, all they're giving us
0: well it's also because there's a a minor involved in this case right i mean and we'll explain it more you know exactly what happened there i'm sure a lot of you are already thinking okay so the dna matches this assault that happened in los angeles yet rachel was murdered in maryland so what is going on here
1: well and again like like we said earlier before showing this it said she was a home alone Mm -hmm. but we don't know for sure if that's yeah. the case or yeah, if there was other confusing. people there we don't know if this this man went to a party there potentially or if it's very clear that he invaded based on what uh the witnesses over there said it's just very 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 fuzzy because there's just been yeah really no concrete the, information released. the way
0: the door is being shut doesn't look like the way you would let someone who just invaded your home out you know like yeah i don't know like why would
1: he be pushed out or dragged out if or that he followed was followed out yeah
0: you know I don't know.
1: But it's possible. I
0: don't want to speculate too much on it. It's
1: possible this was the minor potentially that shut the door. Who knows? We just know that the Harford County Sheriff, they sent people out there. The Harford County Sheriff's been sending investigators following leads to Chicago, to California. And they spoke to the individual whose arm is in this video. And even because everybody's like, whoever shut the door on this guy should be able to ID who this person is. Right. They saw his face. Right. But they're saying that wasn't the case. They didn't know who this individual was and they weren't able to get like a description of him. I guess, I, I don't know. It's still very, very fuzzy and clearly still in the works when it comes to figuring this out.
0: Well, let's try to break down what we do know about this assault. So according to the Baltimore sun back in March of 2023, a home in South Los Angeles was the victim of this terrifying crime. It was a beautiful evening, March 26, 2023, when a young girl who was staying home alone, as far as we According understand... To the Baltimore Sun. Yeah, this is Baltimore Sun, um, was confronted by a strange man in her home. This young man, who was approximately five foot nine, Hispanic, muscular, had just broken in, and we're not exactly sure how. When the man... Found the minor in the home he proceeded to assault her and due to the victim's age of course there are very few details out there regarding this assault although it has been reported that the assault was not sexual in nature however that's just what's being reported we we don't know for sure Um, after assaulting the girl the suspect left the home through the front door where he's caught on that doorbell camera as you can see and it shows this man with dark hair and a military-style haircut, which a lot of people have analyzed that as well, which we will explain more. But the video went viral in the weeks following Rachel's death, but nobody to this day has been able to identify him, which is pretty crazy.
1: Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like delivered right to your door. As you probably already know, we are big fans of HelloFresh in our household and we enjoy HelloFresh probably three, four times a week. Just last night, actually, I cooked up a HelloFresh recipe. It was a prosciutto-wrapped chicken with Swiss cheese on it.
0: It was delicious.
1: And it was in this cream sauce. Rigatoni pasta, Mm -hmm. and it was out of this world. Delicious.
0: Our daughter gobbled it up too.
1: She did. She's (laughs) loving the HelloFresh recipes so much so she doesn't want to eat kids' food anymore. She wants only, yep, like chef crafted food. (laughs) So it's perfect for our family, and it's great that they offer different serving sizes. Like right now, we're on the two servings, but we'll have to be moving up to the family one sooner or later Mm -hmm. because. She eats probably like half of one of our meals <laughs> yeah. almost every single day. Which so. is fine
0: because the portions are pretty big. So.
1: The portions are yeah. a really nice size and I'm just always blown away at just the quality of the produce, the quality of the meats, how easy the recipe cards are. I mean, they really do pack their boxes with farm fresh ingredients and I love that everything mm-hmm. arrives pre-portioned. So it's just simple to put together. Every week, we look forward to hopping on our HelloFresh app, picking out the recipes that we want for the following week. And we're always blown away at the selection that they have. I swear it's like 20 different recipes you get to choose from. You can customize them as well. You can add proteins. You can add sides to it as well. Garlic bread. There's desserts you can add. I mean, the customization just keeps getting better and better with HelloFresh. And we love them for that. But best of all, it just saves us so much time every day, making a delicious meal. We don't have to go grocery shopping. Everything just shows up right at our door, ready to go. And honestly, it saved us tons of money as well. We used to do delivery apps all the time, but now we maybe do delivery like once a week, if that. So we love HelloFresh and we know you will too. So now is the time to try if you haven't already. Just go to hellofresh.com slash milehirefree and use code milehirefree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash MileHireFree with code MileHireFree. And luckily, because the LAPD was able to obtain DNA from this particular incident, you know, we were able to make this match, but no arrest was ever made on LAPD's part. We don't even know where they're at with investigating this particular case at all. When police in Bel Air, Maryland ran the DNA from Rachel Warren's murder into CODIS, it came back as a match to this unsolved assault case in Los Angeles. Again, there's no name attached to the DNA sample. Sheriff Gaylor made it clear that according to DNA evidence, this man from Los Angeles is definitely the person responsible for Rachel's death. Due to DNA and doorbell footage, investigators were able to exonerate those being wrongfully accused of involvement in Rachel's murder. With all this new information, new theories started to emerge. But one thing in particular was puzzling about this case is the fact that this person committed two violent crimes on opposite sides of the country in less than six months. One possible theory that's been floated is that this man might be a truck driver, Mm -hmm. uh, which would make sense for him to be on opposite sides of the country in this time frame. Another popular theory based on the man's physical stature and his haircut, as Kendall mentioned, was that he could be in the military and was possibly stationed in California before being moved to the Northeast. Also possible, but again, just purely speculation
0: i mean there's so many possibilities for why he could have been in maryland and six months isn't that short of a time no you no know. somebody um, could easily
1: jump on a plane and fly there yeah a day right and
0: it would make sense that if he committed this crime and knows that he is being investigated that he would want to leave that area right and go as far away as possible yeah
1: and maryland is opposite side of the country so yep yep no matter the explanation for how or why the suspect was traveling cross-country there was one thing that many people came back to And this is a bit of a stretch in my opinion, but I do see why it should be considered. Potentially, this guy is a serial killer. And as we know from history and past serial killers, many of them do move around, sometimes even long distances across the country to commit murders. According to Sheriff Gaylor, this theory could hold credence. Less than a week after matching the DNA to the assault in Los Angeles, Sheriff Gaylor appeared on News Nation where he stated, quote, somebody out there knows who he is off of what we've been able to release and we need that person to come forward and help us get this monster off of the street this guy has no regard for human life for the value of human life and he will reoffend if he's not apprehended to the people of maryland sheriff gaylor was confirming their worst fear that potentially there was a serial killer on the loose and possibly in their area then on september 8th one month after rachel's brutal murder Sheriff Gaylor made another public statement. Let's hear what
3: that was. And of course, the biggest break in the case came from DNA evidence collected from the crime scene. This evidence took investigators to Los Angeles where the matching DNA had been collected at the scene of an earlier home invasion and assault. This was the first time we got a glimpse of the man responsible for Rachel's death in the video and the photograph that we released of the suspect from the video. As to a couple of the questions related to the video that I will answer, no, we do not have a better picture at this time, and that includes uh, that we do not have a video of the suspect entering the home. And what about the arm in the video? I hear this question numerous times a day, and I can tell you, we have identified the person connected to the infamous arm that appears in the surveillance footage from Los Angeles, And after speaking with that individual, we are confident that they played no role in the commission of any crime. Last week, I told the news reporters that the suspect could be a serial killer. What do I mean? With all we do know about these two crimes, the one in Los Angeles and the one here, my concern is that this killer is escalating. My investigators and I both firmly believe that if we do not apprehend this individual, he will kill again if he has not done so already. And if given the chance, he certainly could become a serial killer. Until he is in custody, he poses, this suspect poses a threat to every community in our country and maybe outside. Sheriff Gaylor definitely got some
1: backlash on Mm -hmm. throwing out the term serial killer. And what do you think about that? You think that was a good thing to do? My, My thought behind why he did that was because he knows that term generates buzz Mm. and it would help keep people talking about this and also create the sense of urgency with the public that we have this potential to become a serial killer out there and therefore keep people you know sharing this this video
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's probably why he did it i do see the the controversy with that because there's as much as that is a very real possibility there's no solid evidence to support right. that and you could also make the argument that that's instilling fear into the public that may not be necessary yeah, at this panic point. yeah but i don't know i'm a little mixed on that i'm curious to hear what other people think
1: so after he said a similar comment on news nation as we mentioned former fbi agent news nation contributor tracy walder told news nation that she was surprised that he would make a comment like this According to Tracy, there simply was enough information to find a pattern that would point to a serial killer. She stated, quote, I know he wants to bring attention to this case and I want this perpetrator caught before he hurts anyone else, but it is too early to make this connection.
0: Yeah, for the most part, I agree.
1: And I mean, it, it makes sense, especially coming from uh, a former FBI agent because, yeah. you know, they, they came up with the term F- serial killer. Mm-hmm. So there's there's got to be a pattern of multiple killings. Uh, over a span of time and we don't know Mm -hmm. for certain that he's committed any other crimes and to this day there hasn't been anything else that's popped up where his dna has been matched
0: yeah and even though this uh assault in los angeles is a crime where i mean no one was killed so to say serial killer yeah Yeah. it's a bit it's a bit extreme it is um although it is possible who knows
1: So though Sheriff Gaylor has made it clear he can't release details of the crime scene, he's been very adamant that the Sheriff's Office has been incredibly thorough in their investigation. According to him, the investigators watched hours of security footage from nearby homes and businesses, reviewed phone calls, texts, and cell phone location data, and they have worked with state and federal partners to use advanced forensic technologies to aid in the investigation. And as you heard in his conference there, he reached out to Hispanic nonprofits and organizations in the community for help in the search. And investigators have been working all over the country to find more information.
0: So as time has passed, obviously those who are following this case have started to wonder why there were no new breaks. It seemed like justice was right around the corner, especially that there was a DNA match, a video of the perpetrator and constant news coverage. But months went by and nobody had positively identified the man in the video. And it seemed like the case was sort of going cold. And that's when popular law firm Rice, Mirtha, and Pesaurus decided to assist the Morin family pro bono, which is pretty amazing. This law firm has had the best interest of Rachel in mind and has worked to help tips keep coming in to authorities. The law firm began by offering a reward for any information that would lead to an arrest in the Rachel Morin case. The reward began at $10,000, but as months passed, the law firm increased it to $20,000, and then a anonymous woman, really kind person here, donated $10,000 to up at 230000 And the law firm also had the brilliant idea of providing reward posters to principals of multiple schools in the area of Los Angeles near the home where Rachel's killer physically assaulted this young girl. And in total, thousands of these posters have been spread around the country as a result, which is pretty incredible. And those who loved... Rachel have worked hard over the months to keep her case alive and in the attention of the media. Matt McMahon, the father of Rachel's oldest daughter, is definitely one of the loudest voices in this effort. He constantly shares podcasts, YouTube videos, news articles, anything else that he can to keep his followers updated on the investigation. And he shares photos of Rachel from their time together and stories of what a great person that she was, hoping to keep her in the hearts of. Anyone who reads, he also worked with a private criminal profiler to create a profile of Rachel's killer, and here's what he had to say.
5: Right now, we're worried uh, that the, the clock is ticking. Uh, today is one month to the day that Rachel went out on a run, um, so people's memories are fading.
6: Matthew McMahon brought a stack of flyers to the Monpa Trail. On them, new details from a criminal profiler on the potential suspect. A man seen in this video whose DNA is linked to the crime.
5: This is not just to get justice for Rachel and her family and her children. It's to prevent this person from doing this again because it's a matter of time before he does do this again.
6: The criminal profiler believes he could be a violent criminal with dangerous psychopathic traits, possibly a narcissist lacking empathy, who is manipulative and a pathological liar. The profiler says after committing a crime in Los Angeles, he came to Bel Air, an odd choice, meaning he, quote, must know someone in Bel Air where he has been able to stay. Also calling him an opportunistic predator who had a reason to be in the area of the path. The suspect would have been out between 6 p.m. and dusk on August
5: 5th. There's a desire from the family to sort of give more information to the public so somebody else would be able to identify. The important part of that profile, if you notice, is there is a a possibility that the person could be somewhere around this area.
6: They're looking for a Hispanic man in his early to mid-20s, 5 foot 9 inches tall and 160 pounds.
5: We're hoping this paints a... a much clearer picture of who this person is because we believe firmly that somebody in Bel Air knows who this suspect is.
0: So that leads us to the fundraiser controversy in this case. So when Rachel passed, she unfortunately had no life insurance, which left her family and kids in a tough position, as you can imagine. And to combat this Rachel's sister, Rebecca started a GoFundMe to help cover the costs of the funeral, saying that Rachel deserved a funeral as beautiful as she was. The goal of this fundraiser was $60,000, an amount that they have nearly reached. In addition to the GoFundMe fundraiser, a local pizzeria also ran a fundraiser for Rachel's children before Christmas. I thought this was so amazing. And their goal was to raise enough money to give these kids the best possible Christmas they could without their mother, which obviously no amount of gifts and Christmas fun is going to to heal what they're going through at this time but it's it's a really kind effort and the fundraiser earned more than seven thousand dollars which was given to that law firm we mentioned rice mirtha and thesaurus with the intention of the funds being split among these five children
1: the fundraising efforts seemed to be going well until matt reached out to his facebook followers to express his anger regarding the handling of the fundraisers according to matt The GoFundMe was originally created with a message stating the money after the funeral would go to the needs of Rachel's five children. However, after reaching a large amount of funding, the wording of the fundraiser was changed to exclude Matt and Rachel's 18-year-old daughter and include Rachel's sibling. And there's a screenshot of his post, which we'll put up on the screen, but I'll go ahead and read it uh, for those listening. So, Uh, this was posted on january 3rd by matt mcmahon he said i think the morin family owes the world an explanation for why rachel morin gofundme page managed by rebecca morin was recently updated to exclude rachel's 18 year old daughter and include themselves it's also worth noting that the morin family did not deliver any christmas gifts to any of rachel's children despite box hill pizzeria sending a rather sizable check to attorney randolph rice for the express purpose of purchasing christmas gifts for rachel's five children I have been told, but we have been unable to confirm the donated Christmas gift money remains with Randolph Rice. To date, none of Rachel's children have received anything from any of the fundraisers related to Rachel Morin or her five children. Despite an excess of $54,000 being raised with GoFundMe for funeral expenses and to provide for Rachel's five children, Rachel still rests in an unmarked grave, and this is almost five months since her murder. And he even took screenshots to prove that the wording had been changed on the GoFundMe page. It says, he's got it kind of circled here. The original post says, if there are any remaining funds, they will go towards things her five children may need. Please share, donate, comment, keep this going. And then the updated wording says, if there are any remaining funds, they'll go towards Rachel's family and things her minor children may need. Please share, donate, comment, and keep this going.
0: This is so disappointing.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to to see. And it's just, I mean, it's never a good look to change a GoFundMe, Mm -hmm. you know after a bunch of money's been raised it definitely raises suspicion eyebrows for sure commenters on these posts and across social media channels like instagram and reddit seem to believe that rachel's siblings namely rebecca are trying to find a way to keep the money for themselves however it has not been revealed if there is any investigation in place to determine if there is an actual concern of fraud regarding the fundraisers one reporter managed to get an interview with randolph rice the lawyer who's given the fundraise money from the box hill pizzeria and he told the reporter That the money was put into a trust for the children, and he was never made aware of the fact that the funds were intended for Christmas gifts. When he asked how the kids could access the money in the trust, Randolph said the children would have to write letters requesting the money and proving they needed the funds for something related to health, wellness, or education. The clarification upset many people who contributed to the Box Hill Pizzeria fundraiser. Comments came rolling in on social media asking various versions of a similar question of why are they making it so hard for the kids to get their money?
0: Yeah, it is pretty weird.
1: Well, there's, you know, there is definitely like if there is a trust, then that's how trusts work. They have to do it, Mm -hmm. you know, legally.
0: But it's like it should have never been worded that way.
1: Right. It shouldn't have been changed in the middle of it Mm -hmm. uh, for sure.
0: These days, it feels like there is a subscription for absolutely everything. And I bet most of you out there don't know how many subscriptions you have active and how many of them you're not using or possibly being charged Double for Before I started using Rocket Money, I had no idea. And I was shocked seeing how many subscriptions and trials that I had started and just forgot about and was just wasting money on. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending and helps you to lower your bills. I can see all my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want anymore or forgot about, I cancel it with a tap. It's that easy. I never have to get on the phone with customer service, which can be a total pain and they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions which is just mind-blowing. So stop wasting money on things that you don't use and cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash milehigher Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash mile rocketmoney.com slash mile So anyway, on August 19th, hundreds of people gathered for a community memorial walk at the Ma and Pa Trail in honor of Rachel, and many people brought their own flowers and scattered them throughout the trail. Photos of Rachel have also been hung on the trees throughout the trail, and some people even wore shirts that said, hashtag remembering Rachel Morin. On August 27th, the family also had a public celebration of life service at the Greater Grace World Outreach Church in Baltimore, a church that Rachel would attend. And many members of the community and media showed up as well to pay their respects. Rachel's mother, Patty Morin, talked about what the walk for her earlier that month meant to the family and detailed how she found out that her daughter was missing while she was out of town. She said, The first thing you think of as a mom is... I wish I could be there. I'm 500 miles away. I wish I could be there. I wish I could find her. She's probably scared. I wish I could hold her. God, it's just so sad. And she also talked about what it was like finding out that her daughter had been found. She said the pain was so unbearable. The family also spread a message of hope in the face of tragedy. I can't be there to hold my baby and to comfort her, but I know that the God we believe in And the God that Rachel believed in was there holding her and comforting her and that he never left her. And as we've seen this case go viral online, it has become clear that she was loved by many. However, unfortunately, but not surprisingly, her beauty and personality has drawn some of the worst of the worst of the internet out of the woodwork. All over the internet, people have posted pictures of Rachel discussing her body, discussing her plastic surgery, a possible plastic surgery that she may have had and how tan her skin was. Like, really, people? It shouldn't shock me, but just... I no, never... We can just
1: remember this poor woman's life. And
0: it's just so, so irrelevant the- and mean and just truly fucked up. Comments also discuss the fact that Rachel had multiple kids from different fathers. Of course, that judgment is going to be there. And while the majority of these types of comments came from internet trolls, it's important that the true legacy of Rachel Morin be told. Even though Rachel Morin was only alive for 37 short years, she left a lasting impression on everyone that she met. She is remembered as being hardworking, intelligent, unique, beautiful, and kind. She had an intense love for her family and a love for her faith and also a love for people. Now, Rachel's mother, Patty, has stated that she is planning to write a children's book on grief and Here are some other clips of Patty speaking to the media about Rachel.
7: Was she a teenager there? She was 18. Mm. We're so connected that it physically hurts us that she's not here. But it also gave her um, compassion towards other people. And because she was made fun of a lot as a child. So she didn't see herself as being any kind of a target or at risk for anything. And so she just lived her life as Rachel. Like, she just loved people and was outgoing. And um, so that made me scared for her. And I would tell her all the time, Rachel, don't walk the trail by yourself. I've seen my daughter since they found her. But seeing her and accepting it are like two different things. I know that over time, people will start to forget details. and. People people forget Rachel. I don't want Rachel to end up as a folder on somebody's desk. Mm. Because people are just moved on to the next sensationalist story. I, I don't want that for her.
0: Before Rachel's death, Bel Air seemed like a safe place to live. And by all accounts, it was. The small town rarely saw violent crime, and up until Rachel's death, there was no reported history of major injuries or attacks on the Ma and Pa Heritage Trail. Still, murder tends to shatter that feeling of security, even in the safest of communities.
1: And it doesn't help to have your sheriff of your county saying it's a potential serial killer on the loose either.
0: Mm -mm. So shortly after Rachel's body was found, Harford County began planning for the installation of a new security system along the Ma and Paw Trail. It's pretty cool that they're doing this. The system is intended to cover over two miles of trail with a focus on secluded areas and entry points. And the goal of this camera system is to allow the police and emergency services to use collected data to protect citizens and identify abnormal activity. And the announcement marks a unique legacy of Rachel Morin as this security system could help keep others safe in the future. I think it's a really cool way to to honor her.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate that it takes something horrific happening for us to often make changes re- mm-hmm. that we need to keep the public safe. I feel like this needs to be instituted in every county in America. I mean, yeah. there are countless murders that happen on walking trails, hiking trails, oh, especially yes. like ones that are frequented by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't put cameras all over every hiking trail in America, but at least the, the popular ones that are close to city limits, things like that, it just seemed like that's a given. I mean, cameras are so much cheaper than they used to be as mm-hmm. well. Like it just seems like why not? Why not up the level of security?
0: Well, I mean, it security cameras are cheaper, but this project in particular is estimated to cost one point two million dollars, which is pretty expensive. Yeah, so well, it's you- understandable why we can't have these in trails all over the place. Um but Bob Castley says that these, who is the uh, Harford County executive, he says that this project is going to be worth the high price. And I definitely agree. He said that the terrible murder of Rachel Morin shocked our community and we know that nothing can make up for her loss. What we can do is increase security on our most popular trail and continue encouraging citizens to look out for one another and keep themselves safe. I can't remember if it was Bob or um, Sheriff Gaylor or maybe someone else in one of the news clips I was watching that also just reminded people that when you're on these trails or secluded areas to be extra careful to not let yourself become distracted by listening to music or your your phone or something like that, which is hard because I know a lot of people want to listen to music while they're running and stuff, but it can lead to really dangerous situations. So it's always good to note that, especially if you're by yourself, try to be as aware of your surroundings and not distracted as you possibly can. Um, but this project is expected to break ground in February of this year. So very, very soon.
1: But to this day, investigators have yet to identify the man responsible for Rachel Moran's murder, as well as that other assault that took place in Los Angeles. Her family, friends, and strangers around the world work hard to keep her story alive as the investigation continues. But still, the damage of the crime can never be undone. This murder has impacted her family in ways that one can't even comprehend. Her children were split among multiple households. Her home was demolished and there is no end in sight for the pain that her children have to endure and loved ones have to deal with due to this heinous actions of one violent individual. And I found some clips on YouTube that are really powerful uh, from a YouTube channel. Shout out Storytellers uh, for posting these uh, of some of Rachel's family members speaking about her. Let's go ahead and play those.
2: Uh, this is this final resting place of Rachel um, in this tunnel. Uh, you know, kind of looks like a sewer. Um, you know, I think about her laying here. And, you know, I wonder if she was, you know, half awake looking at the light and just saying I just gotta make it to that light. Is she thinking about her kids. Is she thinking about me. Did she feel hopeless here? Think about warm you know, feeling warm under her head and then making the connection that's blood. It's dark. She feel alone, it's not think about like what she looked like, you know, beaten or whatever. It's like it's still pretty. I don't care how dirty, how scary, you know, how she felt. I wish I could feel it for her. And I won't look away. That's kinda of why I'm spending so
5: much time <clears throat> in these tunnels. This tunnel specifically.
0: God, I cannot imagine yeah. what that would feel like. So um eloquently spoken for for what he has been through. So that's just such an unimaginable pain.
5: Most of the time when I'm thinking about Rachel, I block out my emotions because it's the only way for me to survive. Um, But right now there's just a deep sense of sadness. (sighs) Not just because Rachel was an incredible person and incredible mother. Um, Not just because she gave me the, the best part of my life, which is my daughter. Um, but because of the loss, uh, all of her children are suffering. My daughter and her, uh, her other four children, I I mean, they lost the most important person in their life over three months ago now, so I just feel really powerful sadness. I'm scared to bring Faye here. not for her safety, uh, but because I don't know how she's going to react. I want to protect her and I want her to also heal and I don't know how much of an impact this is going to have. I worry that she's going to fall to pieces. Uh, as far as I know, she does not know the exact location of where Rachel was found or where she was attacked. and. I worry she's just going to fall apart. I think at some point she will want to know, um, because in one discussion that I did have with her, um, she sat right up and asked me a point blank uh, question about about what happened to Rachel. (laughs) Because she desperately wanted answers. But I'm just scared to bring her here because I'm worried she's going to fall apart.
0: Poor children. To not only lose your mother, but to lose them in this way, uh, I just—it's
1: unfathomable. It is.
0: It's unfathomable.
1: This last clip is actually a Fay, and she visits the site of her mother's demolished home.
5: Can you tell us a little bit about um, where we are right now?
8: Um, this is where my mom's house used to be. That's now gone. I just think about going upstairs in my mom's room and laying down with her.
5: How old are you and um, you'd be able to lay down with
8: her? All the time. (laughs) I always wanted to.
5: That's
8: a sweet memory. I feel like the person who did this took a lot of experiences away from us. We talked about doing a lot of things together and... She's never going to be able to be at my wedding. I'm never going to be able to go to hers. Like, i never going to be able to meet my kids. And I just feel like we had a lot of plans that we just never get to do anymore because she just took them away one day. And there's just a lot of things that we talked about that we should have been able to do together that is just gone. It's hard to even.
0: Uh it's just to no words, into words yeah. yeah so devastating and then you know to not only lose her in such a devastating way but then to not have any answers or justice
1: and this happened in august since now january yeah and there's i mean i'm praying that they're making progress and getting closer to bringing this individual to justice
0: i mean it feels like it's it's just a matter of time I- hopefully we have a lot to work with here i don't know just want answers for this family so bad injustice
1: if you're listening or watching and wondering what can you do to help there's definitely a few things uh that you can do obviously the first thing is if you have any information related to this case you know anything about the individual suspect that police are looking for. We're going to post the flyers, the reward posters with the individual's information, screenshots of that doorbell footage. Repost that everywhere you can. Mm-hmm. The more people that see it, the better chance that somebody out there might know something and send in that tip that helps the authorities locate and apprehend this individual. There is a Spanish version of the poster as well get that out there to as many people as possible but again you can contact the harford county sheriff's office at 410-836-7788 or via email at rmtips at harford sheriff.org. also you can contribute to the reward fund which is something that we are looking into doing um, as of the recording of this episode, we're yeah. reaching out to the Rice Law Firm. You
0: have to do it in a specific way. So, I mean, we are going to make a donation to this cause, but we just have to figure out how to do it.
1: Yeah, you can only do this via email with them, which why it takes a little while, but the email for the law firm is reward at ricelawmd.com, and some details um, are on their website, RiceLawMD.com as well slash reward, uh, but just so you're aware, if you are interested in contributing to the reward fund, uh, it has to be in increments of five hundred dollars. And again, all the funds will be held in escrow, and funds will only be paid to the individual who provides information that leads to the capture and conviction of Rachel morin's killer. That individual must claim the reward with the firm. But again, the posters sharing them extremely helpful on social media. Facebook, wherever mm-hmm. um, you hang out, just even your local community, you can you know print mm-hmm. them out and post them. Also, Especially if
0: you're local in either Los Angeles or in Maryland. County, yeah. yep. mm-hmm.
1: Also, the raw surveillance video, great thing to share and allow as many people to see that as possible. We'll have that link in the description as well. But I am very hopeful that Justice will be served in this case, and I hope to the fullest extent of the law to this individual who is absolutely dangerous at large. And if you do happen to run into this individual, call 911 immediately. Mm -hmm. Obviously, don't approach them.
5: But
0: It's frustrating to think that there's probably someone out there who knows and is afraid to say anything or trying to protect them.
1: Potentially, yeah.
0: I hope that... uh, if that is the case, that their conscience steps in and and they do the right thing. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully we do. I have a, I guess. The good thing is know they if have I DNA. Say this, but I, I feel like there is, there is a a, a real glimmer of hope here, a real possibility Absolutely. that this could be solved. You know? It has
1: a lot more working for it than most cases do that yeah. are cold cases. At least we have DNA of the individual. Mm-hmm. The unfortunate thing is it may take the suspect reoffending yeah hopefully not in as violent of a manner mm-hmm. as in this case but my guess is that
0: it could he, he will could he will pop happen. up at some
1: point unless yeah. he flees to another country or something like that which yeah, hopefully which that's just, not the case yeah. i hope the u.s marshals are involved at this point i hope mm-hmm. harford county is getting the federal agencies who have more tools and resources, such as the, the federal marshals, start looking for this guy. Uh, because if there's anybody that will hunt him down, it's it's those guys. Uh,
0: I think there's also a lot of hope here because of how many people, uh, not only just friends and family who care so much for Rachel and have made endless efforts to, to try and get this information out there and keep her memory alive, but also just the you know people online who had never met her and people in the community who had maybe had never met her who have really seemed to to come forward and and do everything they can to help this family and to, to help this case be solved
1: absolutely but with that being said we're just gonna we're gonna leave it there with you and obviously we want to know your thoughts mm-hmm. on this case and all of the information we just went over will be available in the description the show notes for you if you're interested in and uh, contributing to the reward fund uh the the law firm's website's a great place for all those resources the the posters as well as the surveillance video but all that will be uh, access below but that's going to be it for us today we'll see you guys next week